you think about the traditional front three, including Firmino, and they were close to each other, and they just seem systematically right now. Liverpool are not clicking. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts, and download the OTB Sports app. The news round on off the ball with Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. And you're very welcome along to Thursday night's Off The Ball. It's Richie McCormick here with you right through until 10pm tonight. Busy show on the way for you. Where next for Anthony Joshua? We'll ask a cartographer in the form of Gareth A. Davies because of that uh, split decision defeat to Alexander Usyk in Jeddah on Saturday night. And what are the possibilities of an Alexander Usyk-Tyson Fury unification bout? Gareth A. will hopefully tell us more after 8 o'clock. On top of that, comparisons have obviously been drawn between Liverpool's poor start to the Premier League season and indeed Jurgen Klopp's final year at Borussia Dortmund. But how closely are those two case studies comparable? We'll ask a man who knows in the form of Raphael Honigstein. Plus, Keith Tracy joins us in the football show as well to talk about a pretty decent weekend in midweek, a week in midweek, even for Irish players in the Carabao Cup, and also the start for Newcastle under Eddie Howe this season as well. And as it's Thursday, John Giles is going to join us for a chat after half past seven. Delighted to say joining us for the news round in studio is Amory Donnell. Hi, Richie, how are things? Uh, joining us via the medium of the interwebs is Dave McIntyre. Dave, how are you? Evening guys, how are things? Not too bad. And joining us from Tallis Stadium, ahead of what is a fairly, or could be, a miraculous night for Shamrock Rovers, is Stephen Doyle. steve How you doing, Richie? How you doing, folks? Uh, what's the outlook on a bit of David Essex tonight, steve Or is it Gilbert <laughs> O'Sullivan? Or, or what 70s crew are we going for? Well, I'm glad to tell you, it's, uh, it's OMD tonight, Richie. Good shout. And Ola Gay. That's, you know, I'll listen. give you a few bars, but I'm uh, I'm busy doing my team news here. Uh, in fairness, like there's there's better excuses for uh, for not you know involving some Andy McCluskey, the man who gave us as well Atomic Kitten, uh, lest we forget. Uh, but as I say, it's going to take something of a miracle, uh, which is probably delving into the symbol minds back catalogue for Shamrock Rovers to get through to the uh, group stages of the Europa League. The draw for that being made tomorrow, uh, but they'll be looking. It would seem on the Conference League draw a massive hill for them to climb, or just a chance to go with some dignity, I guess, into the the Conference so you can show that last week was a bit of an aberration yes absolutely Richie well look you know they're kind of they're fighting uh, on all fronts really uh, they've got a big cup game coming up against Drada this weekend in the last 16 they have gone seven points clear with the game in hand at the top of the Premier Division after that 3-0 win against uh, Dundalk last Sunday a really impressive win you have to say after battling it out, it out with Ferenc Farros in the heat last week uh, in Budapest and uh, they really were worn out after that game I know a couple of the players are talking about struggling with breathing in those conditions last week beaten 4-0 it was pretty comprehensive by the Hungarian side but uh, as we've seen with the step up to clubs like Luda Goretz and Ferenc Farosh, um, you see stuff like pace in those teams maybe in League of Ireland clubs and that really is the major factor I know uh, Rory Gaffney was speaking before this game talking about the pace of their forwards and that really was something tough for them to deal with and they've gone with an unchanged forward line as well uh, Ferenc Varos tonight while making four changes to their side so it will be interesting to see how they got on the Shamrock Rovers team shows five changes and Richie it's a, a great chance for a couple of the young players who've been handed starts tonight Sean Gannon comes in for Dan Cleary in the back three Dylan Watts and Andy Lyons replaced by Justin Ferrazai more on him in a moment and Sean Cavanagh respectively Idemo Amaku loves a goal in Europe and Neil Ferrugia start up front instead of Aaron Green and Rory Gaffney all five of those players taken out of the starting team from the Dundalk match start on the bench tonight it is a massive night for the 17 year old Ferrazai making his full senior debut for the hoops in this European game what a night it will be for him 
and Idemo Maku, of course, who was being, uh, we believe, was looked at by the likes of Lecce in Italy and Millwall as well. Apparently, we're very interested in Maku, who is a, a superb striker. Anytime he's come on here, I've seen him. He's got pace, he's got movement in the box, he's got everything, and he can finish as well. And he, as I said, in Europe, he scored in all three European campaigns up to this year, and uh, he will be hoping to do the same again tonight against Ferenc Baros. There's no pressure on the tonight, Richie Shamrock Rovers. Yeah. They can just go out there. The pitch is great, as it always is in Tallis Stadium. The weather is really nice. It's a little bit uh, heavy with regards to the heat, but it's a, it's a very clear and mild evening otherwise. And uh, it's a real chance for those young players just to go out. And as John Giles would say, Richie, do their stuff. A real boon for them as well, Steve, this week, obviously learning that they can play their home games in Tallis in the group stage of whatever competition they happen to land in tomorrow. But that's going to be huge for them. Yeah, it absolutely will because we know from other clubs maybe have taken games to uh, the Aviva Stadium and I was there last year myself for Bohemians matches and while it was a restricted amount of people being allowed to go and the amount of fans that went there was really incredible and the atmosphere was brilliant for what it was but if you can get your, your team into their own home ground for these massive nights. I was actually here for the last campaign, actually, Richie, the group campaign when they played in the Europa League against Zenit, uh, Tottenham Hotspur, and um, they were they were just brilliant nights. They were really, really were, and it's a great for a community like Tallow, which is a football-mad community right across the town, to be having these big European games. If they get a good draw tomorrow, maybe a big Premier League club or a club from elsewhere in Europe that would uh, maybe get the imaginations uh, running wild that would be great for them and uh, as you say just to be playing here at Tallis Stadium it is such a boon for them Yeah Steve we'll have updates from you throughout the evening here on Off the Ball kick off at 8 o'clock there as well we should mention too that there is a, a hope of another team from the island getting through to group stage football tonight Linfield are 2-2 with RFS of Lafia ahead of their second leg in the Conference League playoff round uh, that one is taking place at Windsor Park tonight uh, 7.45 kick off to that one uh, Dave I wanted to ask you about this tomorrow sports crack that uh, Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have launched this week in the wake, obviously, of those changes that were announced yesterday by Jay Monaghan and the PGA Tour to kind of liven things up, give players more of a reason to stick around. It's interesting that they've gone a more radical route than even Live Golf have decided to go and trying to branch out the game and trying to... Somebody else said this is a cynical way of keeping Tiger Woods involved. What have you made of the whole short course stadium atmosphere kind of thing that Tiger and Rory are bringing to the table in 2024? Yeah, it's an interesting one. And, it, and look, if, whether or not it's a cynical way to keep Tiger Woods involved, the fact is it probably will keep Tiger Woods involved. And no matter how little golf he plays, no matter how long goes between his tournament appearances, he's still the player more than any in world golf at the moment that moves the needle so if you can get him on your screens where possible people will watch you will get eyeballs watching I'm not sure I'll be tuning in on Monday night to watch a virtual golf tournament over the course of a couple of hours if it's if it gets legs and it's it, I'm told by others maybe that it it is worth watching I'm sure people will start tuning in but I think that's a suck it and see we'll see how that goes yeah. but it's it is the PJ Tour showing that albeit probably driven into a corner when it comes to expanding their minds and broadening their horizons they are willing to try anything. They are willing to look at various ways, new ways of developing the sport in a way that does cater to maybe the the younger sports fan, the younger potential golf fan, because the age profile of golf viewers in the States in particular is just, it doesn't make for pretty viewing for the, the broadcasters, the networks like NBC, the Golf Channel and CBS right now. So they have to do whatever they can to at least test the waters. So I'm certainly not going to, you know, reject it out of hand just because it might be my cup of tea. I don't think I'm the target. Uh, 
demographic. I think it's people who are in their teens, early to mid-20s, early 30s that wouldn't necessarily sit down and watch a regular PGA Tour event on a Sunday evening, that maybe this might be something a bit more up their, up their street. Dave, you've shocked people there watching in this evening that you're not in that 18 to 35 bracket, what with those youthful looks and rippling <laughs> biceps. Yeah, that was a long time ago, Richie. <laughs> it's interesting, though. I think a lot of that will obviously take the... Um, I guess the spotlight but that news that they were going to have 20 guaranteed tournaments where the top 20 are going to be playing at that's I guess the the kernel for the PGA Tour and it seems to be well the horse is bolted as regards your Deschambeaus etc etc and possibly your Cameron Smiths but the next generation are going to be sticking with us because this is going to be the place to be and offer the most visibility and ultimately the best egalitarian chance at actual competitive cash yeah, 100%. It's, um, unless Live Golf are still in the market for players whereby they're willing to offer signing on fees of 50, 100, 150 million or maybe the 200 million that was being talked about as regards Phil Mickelson, this has been a huge step by the PGA Tour of warding off any further defections outside of those that have maybe, perhaps in the, as might be the case of Cam Smith, have already committed to live golf. But for the likes of Ram and Thomas and Spieth and McElroy, this really is the end of the road as regards any potential for them to jump ship because they are now going to be making the same money on the golf course as anyone involved in live golf. Those 12 tournaments are going to have the same purses as any of the live golf events. They'll only have to play 20 in total. That includes the four majors and the players championship. There'll only be, I think two or three tournaments that they'll have to play in that won't be $20 million purses. So Mm. I think overall it's going to be a really interesting year starting in 2024 for the PGA Tour and it isn't all about the top guys they have taken steps to maybe cater for those outside the top 50 outside the top 100 the half a million minimum earnings for rookies and for every PGA Tour professional so even if you are struggling you are not going to be on the red line you are going to get your travel expenses of five grand per tournament if you miss the cut so they aren't just looking at the very top echelons of the game they're trying to broaden it in as best they can it's probably too late to ward off those guys we we think are on the verge of moving once they get the tour championship at Eastlake out of the way. Yeah. And there will be questions as to whether or not what it was too little too late. If this is the sort of cash reserves that were there, if this is the sort of you know blue sky thinking that was possible 6, 12, 18 months ago. I know Jay Monaghan said Live Tour would have been up and running no matter what. But you may not have lost Kepka, DeChambeau, Mickelson, those sorts of guys if these huge now poor purses, even far greater than have been the case for the last five years, if they'd been on the table a year ago, maybe Live Golf would be here now, but it wouldn't have taken the, the sort of major championship winning names that in the last three months in particular we've seen them taking. Yeah, we picked the wrong game, Dave, I think is what you're saying there. Um, we'll get to the Tour Championship momentarily, but the effort, uh, the news round is brought to you with uh, Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Anne-Marie, we will start... I get as cynical as anybody when the Champions League draw for the group stage comes around, but you can't help picking through these groups and thinking there's some decent matches in there. Yeah, the draw for the group stage for this season's Champions League took place in Istanbul this evening. Istanbul, the venue for this season's final. 32 teams split into eight groups of four. Matches set to take place between September and November. Rangers are back in the tournament for the first time in over a decade and they've a night at Anfield to look forward to as they've been drawn in Group A alongside Liverpool, Ajax and Napoli. Group B then is made up of Porto, Athletic 
Atletico Madrid, Bayer Leverkusen and Club Brugge. Arguably the toughest group of the lot is Group C. That's Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter Milan and Pilsen. Group D then is Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham as they make their return to the competition. Sporting Lisbon and Marseille. Spurs should be happy enough with that. E then is AC Milan, Chelsea, Salzburg and Dynamo Zagreb. 14-time champions Real Madrid, who are of course the holders, are going to Parkhead. They've been drawn alongside Celtic, RB Leipzig and Shakhtar Donetsk. Manchester City, who are still going for that coveted first trophy in the Champions League, will take on Sevilla, Borussia Dortmund and Copenhagen. And then to round things off, Group H is Paris Saint-Germain, Juventus, Benfica and Maccabi Haifa of Israel. Dave, that Group A um, pairing of Liverpool and Rangers, you were on the Rangers uh, PSV call last night along with Keith Tracy on Virgin Media. What did you make of them and, and their prospects for, for group stage football? Because they seem to be a decent team who can kind of hit teams on the break away from home, nick a goal and then manage to keep things tight at the other end. Yeah, under Jared initially and then more laterally under Van Bronckers, they have managed to defy the odds pretty much every time that they've stepped onto the European stage, albeit the vast majority of that has been in the Europa League. But they produced some really good away performances last season until the latter stages of the Europa League. I think they lost their last three games away from home, including the final to Eintracht. But last night was a really typical Rangers performance over the last 12 months or so. They just hung in there. They definitely rolled their luck. Uh, PSV should have probably been two up by the time Rangers scored. But then they got their goal and they managed the game pretty well from there. They didn't give up many clear-cut opportunities once they got that opening goal from Cholak. And it's a difficult draw. Obviously, you're going to the home of Liverpool. Ajax have been very good in Europe over the last couple of years. Got to the semi-final three years ago. Should have done better last season. It was a huge surprise that they went out in the last 16 when they did after dominating their group. And Napoli are always going to be difficult opponents. But it's not the worst it could have been. And I think given how difficult it is to go to Ibrox, they'll fancy the chances of at least finishing third in that group. So they've got a couple of big nights to look forward to. Celtic, I think, will be delighted with their growth because, again, it could have been an awful lot worse. Take Real Madrid out of the equation. They're obviously going to top that group. Orby Leipzig are not going well at the moment. Shakhtar have a whole host of problems, most notably the fact that they can't play in their own stadium. They're... potentially going to be playing in Poland. I know they played their playoff in Kharkiv, but Celtic will feel there's a really good opportunity for them to get some points on the board at Celtic Park and then maybe snatch a couple away from home. Again, maybe with a line finishing third, but you wouldn't rule them out completely under Ange Postacoglu and the progress they've made of snatching that second spot. The one group that is the most mouth-watering is the one involving Bayern, Barcelona and Inter. Yeah. That's the one of them where you're thinking there could be a big name exiting Barcelona and Inter probably on par at the moment. Barcelona haven't even got all their players registered that they brought in over the course of the summer. Bayern will dominate it, you would expect. You could probably pick the group winners out of every group, but the second place in two or three of them is certainly up for grabs. Yeah, it's better than, uh, I think, a lot of seasons that we've had in recent years in terms of that uh, level between second and third. And there's a couple of Premier League teams, like uh, Chelsea's can be sticky like you're asked to go to Milan Salzburg have been known to cause a result or two in the Champions League and then Zagreb as well Like uh, and then Spurs they're going up against the Europa League winners they're going up against Sporting who aren't uh, that bad and a Marseille who if rumours are to be believed Dave could well have Cristiano Ronaldo by the end of this window so uh, yeah like it, it, it's going to be entertaining at least 
and will be entertaining. And there, there, there's a couple of groups now that you can really pick out some ties once these fixtures are confirmed that you really will look forward to them. That's a very even group, I think. Tottenham definitely making progress, obviously, under mm. Antonio Conte, but Sporting and Marseille and Eintracht Frankfurt, you could throw a blanket over those three teams. Eintracht came from nowhere to win the Europa League last season and managed to just set aside a are we having a bit of an issue with uh, with Dave's line there, but Amri, um, we've got the inverse of Declan Rice in rugby, no less. Yeah, former England flanker Jo Brown will win her first cap for Ireland in Saturday's second test against Japan. The Worcester back row has been selected at blindside flanker with head coach Greg McWilliams making three changes from last week's win. Hannah O'Connor moves to the second row to replace the injured Sam Monaghan with Grace Moore coming into the team at number eight. Laura Feely starts at loose head prop with Jess Keating and Emma Tilly in line to make their debuts from the bench. Ireland beat Japan 57-22 last weekend. And speaking today, McWilliams has said this game offers a new opportunity. You're always looking to improve. You know, like this is uh, this is another test. It's going to be another challenge for us. Um, there's no doubt that we went to the well last Saturday. Um, and that's the thing is like you've got a group of players who are now into their third week of pretty intense training and, and match prep. And it's hard, you know. Um, Saturday took a lot out of the group. And it's about making sure this week that we were smart about how we train. So Ed Slattery, who's a rest and see coach and the medical staff, have been brilliant this week. And um, just making sure that we got the right minutes, the right ball and play minutes. And we kept things down a little bit. So a lot of our learnings would have been off feet um, and given the players an opportunity to recover. So it's just another chance for us to see where we are. You know, last Saturday was a good day. We knew where we were. And whatever happens this Saturday, we're going to get a lot out of it um, as we try and build this this machine moving forward uh, to the point where we can be very consistent with our performances. There you go, that's Greg McWilliams there talking ahead of the second test with Japan. We finally have some closure on the Shane Walsh matter and I know as a Galway person you're heartbroken by this. Shane Walsh's move to Kilmacud Croaks has been confirmed and he's clear to play for them in the Dublin Championship. It's understood that Kilcarran Clonburn, his home club, did not lodge an official objection. Walsh has previously voiced his commitment to return to the North Galway Club, who interestingly enough take on Pork Joyce's home club, Kilararan, on Friday evening. Kilmacud Croaks' next game, meanwhile, is in round three of the Dublin Championship. That's against Temple Oaks, Sing Street on Sunday, September 4th at Parnell Park. Dave Mack is back. Dave, this seems like it was a bit of a storm in a teacup more than anything else. Yeah, I think maybe some opinions were voiced from the outset that were maybe not thought out. And I can understand the emotions were were very high amongst those in North Galway and his his former club, as we will now refer to them as. And maybe they just needed to take a step back initially. And if they had their time again, they, they might have gone down that road. But I can absolutely understand how desperately disappointing it is to see a player that you've groomed right from the very beginning of his footballing career and is an absolute idol for the children in that area and an institution and an inspiration for everybody associated with that club to see him walk out the door and go to a powerhouse a super club in Dublin is always going to hurt now you would hope that he will be back there I don't know how long he plans on playing with Kilmacud how long he will be studying in Dublin but I just pity the full back line that has to deal with Shane Walsh and Paul Mannion in the championship because that's 
something that would leave you having nightmares if you were preparing to face them in the following day. And we may get to see them performing together. Croaks went so close to winning the All-Ireland last year and you would imagine they, they did come that close that yeah. having someone like Shane Walsh in your team would have been just that little bit extra that would have seen them get over the line in that final at Croke Park. He's brilliant to watch. He's going to be alongside Manu now and several other very good players. People will be delighted to see him at the Dublin Championship just for entertainment purposes alone. But it just doesn't leave a very good taste in the mouth given that it is one of the biggest clubs in Ireland, possibly the biggest in terms of playing numbers. And they have now got someone of his ilk added to their forward line, albeit on maybe a, t- a somewhat temporary basis. Are you worried that like this could... And floodgates is probably the, the wrong term to use, but the reasoning for... You know, you're studying in a different part of the country being a reason why you might go and play for someone else. I mean, there's several, you know, dozen players who traverse the country to try and play for their county or try and play for their club even. I remember talking to somebody who's a taxi driver here in Dublin and he was playing club up in Donegal uh, at the time as well. People still have to travel huge distances. Um, are you worried that this might cause a, a bit of a precedent for others to kind of make the same move? Well, a precedent certainly has been set. I think a lot of people were paying very close attention to this ruling as to whether or not the transfer would go through and then were wondering what sort of an effect it would have on transfers going into the future. Each case will just have to be taken on its own merits. Some players will look at this and think, well, if Shane Walsh can do it, it's definitely a path that I could go down. I mean, we should stress that Croaks have done absolutely nothing wrong here. And they, I mean, all of the rules have been abided by and it just happens to be Croaks that are the team that Shane Walsh has opted for and they're absolutely, I'm sure, delighted that he's opted to go for them. We'll have to it's just sit tight on that one, Richie, and mm. see does this become a little... Because I was, on, I was of the understanding that studying in, a, in an area wasn't sufficient to, to get your transfer through. But maybe that, that has changed slightly. And um, we'll think see that's what happens over the, the next year or so. because the college he's studying for doesn't feel the team. Right. So he's not playing for that college. He's not so playing were, Yeah, yeah. Okay. An interesting one anyway, but... Uh, there was kind of, I guess, fears about Craig Morgan's fitness down Tipperary and the worst seemingly has come true, Emery. That's right. Tipperary hurling cornerback Craig Morgan is set to miss the start of next season. Kilroran McDonough's his club confirmed today that he suffered knee ligament damage playing for them at the weekend. He made his championship debut for the Premier this year and a regular starter for them during their Munster Championship campaign. Meanwhile, Brian Dowling is set to remain in charge of All-Ireland Senior Camogie Champions Kilkenny for a fourth season. He'll be put forward for ratification for another year in charge at next month's county board meeting. Dowling, who was a twice All-Ireland Hurling Championship winner as a player, has led the Cats to the O'Duffy Cup now twice during his tenure. And we finally got a bit of definition on the Novak Djokovic saga as regards Flushing Meadow. Yeah, he confirmed today that he won't travel to New York for next week's US Open. That says he's not vaccinated against COVID-19. The United States hasn't allowed any non-citizens who haven't been jabbed into the country now since October of last year so no great surprise there. Dave, I can't help but feel whatever you might feel about the the principal stand of not wanting to be vaccinated, there is going to come a point in Novak Djokovic's life, maybe not his career, but certainly in his life when he feels he's left a couple of grand slams on the table because I, he could probably be clear of Rafa Nadal in that all-time list now and could probably have scope, given his age compared to the others, to be further ahead and I, I can't help but feel as principal as he might be and whatever stance he might have that he's going to regret this in the long term. Perhaps. My impression would be that that won't be the case. 
he's pretty headstrong as you say and he is sticking to what he believes to be his principles and it is costing him the opportunity to have a tilt at another couple of slams but he's known this was going to be the case for a long time I'm sure he hoped that in the end maybe the rules might be bent or abandoned altogether to allow him play in New York but I'm, he'd all, at the same time he'd probably accepted his fate and knew well that there was a very good chance this was ultimately going to be where he was going to end up. I'm not sure he is the type of person that will look back with regrets on this because he's had ample opportunities to ensure that doesn't happen years down the line and, he, and he's opted against taking those opportunities and he is where he is now. That's just It's just the way it is. It's very difficult to get into the mind of Novak Djokovic on this particular matter. Yeah, Massive I, asterisks as well beside Annie grand slam that anyone has won that he's not there <sighs> that happens though that happens like you can have like players Nadal, who are, it feels like he's going to pull clear now but it is definitely well you can have players who are injured you can have players who and this has happened before where players just aren't suited to certain surfaces and they mightn't compete or they mightn't compete necessarily at the same level as they would do in a hardcourt or a clay or a grass or whatever but I don't know there's something about this feels like it's it definitely feels like it's avoidable anyway uh, a major sacking as regards the championship and uh, Northern Ireland as well Emery yes Stoke sacked Michael O'Neill today after a really poor start to the season in the championship they sit just a single point above the relegation places having won just one of their five opening games this season O'Neill who was previously in charge of Northern Ireland joined the club in November of 2019 meanwhile Eintracht Frankfurt goalkeeper Keeper Kevin Trapp appears to have turned down a move to Manchester United. The German international was linked with Old Trafford earlier this transfer window with an offer of just under €25 million euro reportedly on the table. He has admitted he did consider leaving but has since decided to stay where he is. And Deli Ali as well, uh, moving off to Turkey. Yeah, he's gone from Everton to a Turkish side Besiktas on a season-long loan. The midfielder only joined the Merseysiders from Tottenham in January. January. He made 13 appearances for them overall, including two as a substitute this season. Dave, with the greatest of respect to Besiktas and to Turkish football at the age of 26, this isn't where Deli Ali should be, is it? Well, it probably is, given his lack of form Based over the form, last two seasons. The Spurs Deli Ali shouldn't be here. Yeah. Well, if he had continued his development in the way he had so quickly since he went from MK Dons to Tottenham, absolutely not. But he, he, he deserves to be where he is now. It's been unfortunate to see a player of his considerable class and the fact that he was a regular in the England team and he was one of the brightest young talents in the Premier League that he has stagnated to the point where Everton don't want to play him in another five or six games for fear of you know the fact that they'll have to pay another £10 million to Tottenham as was the agreement so they're getting him off their books as quickly as possible I do think it's a brave move though and if Deli Ali really did feel that there was things conspiring against him when it came to getting his game and maybe developing he could have just stayed put and refused to leave Everton but this is a sign to me that Deli Ali knows he needs a fresh start a different country a big challenge obviously there'll be a language barrier it'll be a completely new or new territory for him and if he comes through this and returns to England a better player will fair play to him I think it's a really good move for him and Besiktas are one of the best teams in Turkey and he will probably play plenty of football in big stadiums huge crowds and brilliant atmospheres and maybe that will just get him back on track Uh, We started with golf and Frank and Donegal has asked how is there still so much golf chat without Nathan and Joe of a Thursday Frank I'm taking brown envelopes under the table uh, but the FedEx 
FedEx Cup is coming to a close this week Anne-Marie with the Tour Championship and it's underway Yeah that's right and Rory McIlroy has gotten his bid to win a third FedEx Cup crown underway he's teed off at Eastlake six shots behind playoff leader Scotty Scheffler and Scheffler has a two shot advantage over the field on 10 under par he's also just gotten his day underway Alright thanks a million I'm Ray Dave as well thanks so much for joining us this evening Thanks guys